What if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown, or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people on Behind the Story with Chuck Talk. And here's your host, Chuck Talk. Hey, 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 listeners, thanks for joining me today. I hope you're having a fantastic day because my day's pretty good. I haven't had any bad news. There's bad news carrying over from the weekday, but there's no bad news today. But I am missing out on a barbecue right now. Anyhow, have I got a treat for you today. My guest is Roger Smith. He is the author of The Most Unlikely Leader. And you meet the guy and you might agree with him on that one but it's once again it's the most likely or the most unlikely leader GED to CEO uh, Roger at one time was the president and CEO of a couple of uh, life insurance companies so he has had his ups and downs in life and just like many of us you know we did really good in school but there was a point when something happened and it turned and well We weren't so good anymore, but Roger quickly found his way out of that and became very successful. So please listen to the podcast and enjoy this. I think you're really going to like what he has to say and his story. And again, the book is The Most Unlikely Leader, and the author is Roger Smith. Oh, by the way, I'm going to say thank you for your continued support and listening sharing, subscribing, all of that stuff. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Roger, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, Are you on the East Coast or where are you? I am on the East Coast. I'm in Florida. All right. Afternoon for me. It it sure is. So we don't want to keep it here too long because it is just 10 10 15 10 18 a.m for me on the west coast and i i see your book in the background but before we get into your book your thing is ged to ceo and you've had quite the life especially the first 20 years of your life i mean you went through the good the bad because up until what, right before you got into high school, you're doing really good. You're a good student. And then all of a sudden, yeah. something something went off. And yeah. like switched. Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah. what year was it that you were in the Santa Monica area and Hollywood and all that stuff? So we moved out to, back then, if you were on the East Coast and your family went bankrupt, you moved as far west as you could. So we actually moved from Manhattan to Malibu, but it was when, you know, there wasn't a whole lot, a lot of big houses. It's just all apartment beach shacks type thing. Mm. We moved out there when I was like eight, nine years old. I, I really, I, I, I felt like the karate kid. That was, that was the closest analogy I could give you. This East coast coast kid right on the West coast on the beach. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so I went 
to elementary school in Malibu. I went to junior high in Malibu. And, um, and it was literally that summer after I uh, graduated junior high. So it was like, um, you know, I was the star of the musical. I was in the chess club. I was the woodworking club. I was like this good kid. I wasn't like A's and B's, but I was, you know, C's and B's. Um, and then, like I said, within a matter of a year, I was from that kid to, uh, to a heroin addict and on the streets. It was that quick. I got, I got kicked out of high school within the first three months because I refused to wear socks with my sandals. You know, it's like, <laughs> what, why, how? <laughs> Uh, but you still don't really know what that switch was that went off that really turned you from that most likely to succeed to, I don't like using the word failure, but the bad kid. Um, so here's what I think. I think that right around that time, uh, the hippie era was just starting. And I think I was just looking for my tribe. You know, I was just looking for people that, would accept me into their group and, and into their culture. And, you know, West Coast, that, that, would, that was the culture then. So, um, yeah, so it was, that was it. And what, you know, what kind of turned, started off on, you know, peace, love was very shortly just a drug-induced state. Hmm. Uh so we're talking probably mid to late sixties ish, right around there. Yeah. So, yeah. so this this is what's really great about the conversation today is what you went through at that point in time uh, as a teenager is still so relevant today. Kids trying to find not necessarily just kids, but people trying to find their place. Yeah. Um, so I, again, you went from that. Um, GED to CEO and the most unlikely your your book yes. to be a, a leader. But what is the exact title of your book that's right behind you? It's the most unlikely leader, an unbelievable journey from GED to CEO. Yeah, and again, you're you've got quite that quite a story where I think a lot of people can relate, and it resonates with so many people out there. But my apologies for jumping in there, but I had to throw that in because, I mean, your story is really amazing. So, like I said, you're trying to find your place. Um, you did all, you went through the drugs. You, did you live out on the street and things like that too? You were out of the house? For about three years. So, you know, back then living, living out on the street wasn't that tough. I don't think it would be as tough as it is today, for sure, because there was a lot of communal living out there. So, you know, somebody was always taking you in. I, I mean, I lived, uh, <laughs> I lived uh, in a massage parlor on Sunset Boulevard for like, for like six months, you know, the, the ladies in there just took me in and whatever maternal instincts they were having, you know, I had that place. Um, my brother went to school 
up in Berkeley at that time. And, and so I went up to visit with him and there was, um, Shell was giving out credit cards to the students. And so, you know, I applied, they issued me one. And I remember looking at it and I looked at the back of the card and it said, accepted at Disneyland hotels. And I sat there and went, wow, okay. Hitchhike back to LA, uh, booked myself into the Disneyland hotel and stayed there for three months. So, you know, <laughs> you just looked for wherever you could to find that, that next place that you could. You know? Well, you know, to me, it sounds like from your story, even though you've, you've had that really rocky beginning, you were, you were an absolute go-getter. I mean, irregardless of the drugs and things like that, uh, the mischief nature, you were a go-getter, right? Yeah, and you know what? It's interesting because when I was in New York, you know, in the city as a kid, I was all, I, I like to steal my brother's, my brother's comic books and go out and sell them in Central Park or I was walking dogs or I was, listen, I was always trying to figure out a way to make a buck. I was, you know, always very independent. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that was a, just a part of, of me. Um, on the other hand, uh, I will tell you that nothing in my career came naturally. You know, like, I'm sure there are people that are naturally born salespeople or naturally born leaders or naturally born CEOs. I'm going to tell you none of it. None of it was naturally born. It was all uh, learned behavior. In fact, as a salesperson, when I first started to learn how to sell and when I would get to the close of the sale, the back of my neck would start to shake. And I literally thought that people thought I was having a seizure. I mean, I was so scared, so nervous. So it's all learned behavior, repetitive learned behavior. You know, I, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask you if, if you felt as though if leaders were born and they're natural or is it a learned behavior and or can you learn to be a leader? And you're telling me right now you learned it. It was a learned behavior. Absolutely. You know, um, John Maxwell writes this book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I remember first reading it and it was, it was years on and I looked at it and I said, man, I've just broken every one of those laws. <laughs> I don't know why anybody followed me. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, so I do believe, I mean, like I said, I, I can't speak for other people, but I can speak for myself and, and say, yeah, it, it, it was all learned. So you know, when people say to themselves, well, I could never do that. Um, I get it. But the good news is actually, well, you can do that. I mean, if you want to, you can, if you're willing to put in the grind to learn the behavior and then okay. practice. So we, we talked about that switch, you know, that happened uh, right before going into high school. And but you have become super successful so there had to have been the other switch that that turned you turned you around. Um, what was 
was there a mentor? Was there somebody that you found? What, what triggered that change? So um, I was really fortunate, Chuck. I, I had uh, three great mentors in my life. And um, my first mentor was my stepfather, who actually brought me into the company. He had started like six months before. You know, so he taught me that whole art of the sale and how to close and, and, and that whole thing. And, you know, what happens is um, confidence begets confidence. And, and so I don't know if it's a switch that flips just like that, but I will tell you that, that the better I got, the more confident I got, the better I got, the more I closed until all of a sudden, you know, instead of this guy who was just the worst closer in the world, you know, in that first year, I was the number one salesperson in the company. Wow. And it's, it, once again, it was, it was all, it was all learned. I think that, um, I think that in talking about mentors, let me just digress for a second. Yeah. Um, my, my second mentor was the founder of the company. And he taught me about like the social injustices of the world and, and, and making sure that, you know, if you're going to take out of the community, you put back into the community, um, you know, those type of things. And, and also about making sure that you have patience with people that, you know, you didn't get it on the first time. Why are you expecting other people to get it on the, you know, on that time? So the third mentor taught me some key things in my life. Uh, one was... He said, nothing's as good as it seems and nothing's as bad as it seems. And, and life sometimes is like these big hills and low valleys, especially in sales, especially in my life. So if you learn that, okay, well, wait a second. You know what? I'm on a high, but the odds are some obstacles are going to happen. Okay, don't get too married to it. And, and, and also, if I'm in a low, then you know what? This too shall pass. And there's going to be some great things happening. So he taught me that. He taught me, you know, don't, don't react to things. Respond. And I, I had a real problem with that because I was like this emotional leader, you know, and I was like, boom, 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 putting out fires. Uh, and that was really important. And then the third thing that he taught me was, you know, you motivate with emotion, positive emotion. But when it comes to negative things, you know, drive it through data. And, and those were keys because I was brought up in an environment in the old type of sales. It was like you yelled at people, you, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, you get positive reinforcement when you yelled at people. My poor kids remember that every Sunday night they said, dad, that was horrible. You used to yell at people. I'm like, I know I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Now, it really sounds like you have to learn to accept failure as a learning moment and then you need to repeat a lot of the things you do to learn things is that correct in thinking that way yeah so you know look i i think that that we got to start off with the with the premise that if it was easy everybody would have it so it's not going to be easy it is a hard road and and it's a long road and the bigger your dreams are the longer and harder it is, it's a journey. So, you know, I think that you get to decide in your own life when 
when, when, when you hit that obstacle and, and if you've given up, you know, then, well, it was a failure. But if you hit that obstacle and understand this is a long journey and, you know, I got to figure out how to go over the obstacle, around it, through it, but I'm going to keep walking down my path. Then it was just a bump in the road. You know, when I look back at all the things, I had a lot of bumps in the road, Chuck, a lot. <laughs> but, but each one of those bumps, you know, made me understand more. You know, I, I was willing to evolve through each of those. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't, I don't, it, you know, I often say, and, and I've talked about this before, but let me just bring it in right here. We give up on our dreams so quickly. As human beings, we, we hit these obstacles, they seem insurmountable, and, and we give up. And that's why, you know, I often say, uh, you know, where most people say, don't burn the bridges behind you, you know, I say, burn every darn one of them. And it sounds strange, but what I'm really saying, and I don't mean burn your relationships you know, unless you want to but but what i'm really saying is that internally burn the path behind don't have that plan b you know don't have that escape hatch understand that that no matter what happens i'm going to keep walking through it and with perseverance you know i have a good chance of over- overcoming those obstacles and continuing on my journey yeah, uh, really right now, like you said, I think more so today, you know, last past several years, uh, people, uh, and I always digress and back to saying kids, but kids, people, we're all in this culture of immediacy. We want it now. And if we don't succeed now, we, like I said, we move on. It's, yes. we don't even give it, we don't even give it a month. All of a sudden, well, it didn't work. I, you, you'll never, well, I can't say you'll never, but that's not the best way to, you know, succeed is to quit and move on to something else. Because what happens with, the, with them is that they're seeing the end result, right? They're seeing, oh, this is, yeah, I want that. But, but they don't understand, at least at that point in their lives, the grind that it took to get to that picture so they're sitting there going well crap if it didn't work in 30 days i'll try something else well no that's not how that person got there you know that that person that they're trying to emulate took years years a long journey grind obstacles persevere all that stuff to get there this is a perfect time to reintroduce your book uh where can people get your book so they can actually go on to my landing page, which is a rogersmith.me. And there's a link in there that takes them right to the Amazon link that they can buy the book. I'm certain your book is really going to help guide people through the necessary steps, whether it's laid out by bullet points or not. But just by reading your experience, it'll give them, I think it will give them a path. Um, to at least emulate possibly, right? Yes, I, I hope so. I mean, there's, there's some um, specifics in the book 
when it comes to the insurance industry, just because you know, I talk about those bumps and I also talk about the successes, but you could really take what I use in the insurance industry and apply it to your own business that you started up or, or, or to you know, any industry. And I imagine this is really good for just for life in general too, right? Because there's a lot of people who go around with their head down and they're feeling like failures, but they're really not failures. Not at all. Not at all. And you know what? I'll, I'll tell you another thing. Um, so, you know, I have a part in there that talks about blessings, but, you know, I also talk a little bit about regrets and, and I didn't understand really about this balance of life. You know, I, I, I really didn't get it. So I got that you had to really grind and put it in to get be successful. But I didn't really understand that, that you could do that and also have balance in your life. That, that you could actually be present in the moment when you're working. And then you know what? Be present in the moment with your family and then be present in the moment with your friends. And I, I really didn't get that. I'll tell you when I really understood it. When I retired four years ago, because my whole life was about being CEO. My social, everything was about it. And then all of a sudden, well, that wasn't there. And now I'm having to find things to replace those pieces of the pie instead of actually having them in place. So, you know, I, I think that, um, I think the kids today, they, they do have that. My son, you know, is always talking about this, this balance and this quality of life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and when he said that to me eight or 10 years ago, I went, yeah, what do you mean? You know, put in the hours. <laughs> and now, and now I'm sitting there going, oh crap, I get it. I get what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Balance and quality of life. Yeah. That's, that's another thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you about the, if there were challenges while you were a CEO and the balance of life, because uh, aside from people trying something and giving up so quick, there are the opposite people who are just like so laser focused and they have no balance. It's just that work life or whatever it might be. They're just blinders. Uh, but y y like you said, eight to 10 yeah. years ago, your son is the one that kind of mentioned it to you and you, you finally yeah. got that aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, you know, and I, and I definitely think I, I tended to be one of those type of people you know, where I was laser focused and, you know, uh, and yeah, not, not understanding, but being present in the moment. So, um, now people hear me talking about that and people who know me and they go, and they go, well, you sure wasn't saying that to us before, <laughs> but, I am, but I am sure saying it now. So yeah, that's it. That's, key stuff that's really key stuff we can all change right we got it right yeah yeah absolutely yeah, uh, so you retired four years ago you've had these aha moments you you've your life has gone from up down up down up what's 
what's next? I mean, you have a book coming out. You're an author. Do you have another memoir or something else that you're going to write for for people so they can, you know, learn what to do to succeed? Yeah, that, that's that's a great question, Chuck. And I'm I'm really trying to figure that part out now. I, you know, I started tapping into my creative side. So, um, so I ended up like joining a community theater <laughs> and, and interesting enough, the first, uh, uh, the first play I did was Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, which was you know, all about all these types of salespeople that I knew very well. Um, so I'm kind of just like tapping into this creative side uh, at this point. Um, but I may write another book. Um, I, I may do some speaking engagements. Um, it's, this is a, a new period of, uh, of exploration for me. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and it's interesting. I mean, part of it is, like I said, trying to fill in those pieces of the pie. Like I gave a lot of speeches. And I was used to a lot of people applauding. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was nobody applauding. <laughs> so that's the community theater. <laughs> you mean the ego expanded, and then all of a sudden, it's empty. It needs to be filled. <laughs> I think about it. It is really a funny thing. It's like when I, when I wrote this book, I wrote this book because I want to inspire people. I want people who may feel stuck in their life and, and, and you know, maybe this is the, the, the point that goes, well, if this guy could do it, gosh, I can do it. I could get out of this mode. And then that little ego thing starts talking of, yeah, I wonder how many books I could sell. <laughs> you know, it's like it's this yin-yang thing that just goes on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if any of those pages have piece of your personality with how it, how I'm seeing it right now it's got to be a fantastic read and it, to me that's part of life is is enjoying it having fun if that's what you want to call it but if I read something where I can relate to it uh, whether it be a sad story or a fun story I, I it's a learning experience and it certainly sounds like that's that's got to be what your book is about and your experiences so it is it, it i've never felt as vulnerable as i feel at this time in my life you know a ceo listen i had the vision i was going to give influence i was going to lead you down the road and even if you said no i don't think it's going to work i had the confidence and i'm I, you know i'm going to bring you down the road when you write a book about your life <laughs> and somebody says, well, I don't like the book. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's my life. Man. <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> you yeah. have to like it. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a vulnerable place. That's for sure. Oh, I, I bet it is. Like I said, your memoir, you're spilling your guts pretty much. But. I just want um, the listeners and the viewers to know that your book isn't just a story. It, it's also going to help you uh, succeed, right? Become a leader. 
because I think you just mentioned about, well, I don't know if this is exactly what he said, but it, uh, you've got to have a vision and you want to be able to portray that vision well enough and find those followers who are going to follow you in your vision to succeed. Is that, is that kind of right? Is that? Yeah. So, you know, in the book, I talk about this, the, the characteristics of a leader. And, and I think the number one characteristic is that, you know, leaders are visionary. They, they are able to see further than the people that they're leading. You know, but, but that doesn't help a lot if people aren't willing to follow you, right? So, so then it means, all right, what can I do to build up the influence with the people who I want to follow me? And so, you know, number one, I have to get results because if I don't get results, yeah, you're not going to keep following me for sure. But, but the second is that you need to know that I really care about you. I care about you. I care about your family. You, you need to trust that. And, and no, it's not like I care about you and your family because I'm going to benefit from it. It's like I, I care about you and your family because I really care. And I want you to be successful. And I want all these things you know, that I've had in my life. I want you to have it in your life. And so when, when people feel that way, then, then they'll follow you anywhere. And, and when they know they're a part of a team, then, you know, then you have that, you have that buy-in, you know, and then, and then you have, you know, of course you have to have strong systems and you have to have a way to inspect those systems. But, but I think those really are the, the, the characteristics of a leader. And so in the book, I talk about that because I think those are the things that, you know, help me make me successful as a leader. Okay. Uh, it's even though you just, spelled it out can you give it in a bullet point maybe two or three things that um will help make a leader like I said you, you've got to be a visionary so um what well, I, other bullet point would you throw in there well I, like i said i i think there's four bullet points and okay. i just so so those four bullet points are are uh, visionary influence people don't understand how important the influence is that that if, if you don't, if you don't have people following your dream, then you're never going to be able to implement it. You know, you're walking alone. So those bullet points, the having a strong system so that, so that if I'm out of the picture for a month or a month and a half, that everything doesn't fall apart, that the systems are so strong that, that they place it. And then the inspection of that system, I don't, don't put a system in place that you're not willing to inspect. I mean, I think, I think those are key, key, key. And that could work with, like I said, any business situation, any. I, it, it's not only business, it's, it's family. You know, listen, if I expect my kids to, to do stuff, I put in something that I want them to do, then I'm going to inspect it to make sure it's being done. It's, you know, it's not like they're going to say to you, well, you don't trust me. No, it doesn't have anything to do with trust. It just has to do with, I put in a system, now I'm going to inspect it. And whether it's in your family or your business or, or anywhere, you know. I need, to, I need to sit back and check my system and, you know. <laughs> but 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not just for business. It's it's life. Uh, it's family. If you have a family, uh, and you know, to go along with that, I guess people do have to also understand that. Like I said, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I have a system in place, and I'm just checking the system be just to make sure that it's working. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you heard from your kids? You don't trust me. You know, or my people said this. You know, no has nothing to do. I think, Chuck, that if you just, in whatever relationship that you have, that, you know, just work on that trust part of it, really work on it. Because when people trust you, uh, it's a lot easier for, for them to accept the inspection part of it. Yeah. You know, and when they don't trust you, then, then you're right. They, they're starting to come from a place of defense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's up to us. It's up to us to always constantly work, work on that trust. Yes. This has been fantastic, Roger. So I just want folks to know that they can go to your website, rogersmith.me, correct? Correct. And that also has my social media on it. It has, you know, the, where to order the book, the whole thing. Awesome. Uh, this has been great. I feel great. I, yeah. Chuck, when I first talked to you, you know, when you look at my life story and you go, well, shit, that could be pretty depressing, you know? <laughs> and I remember you saying, you're not going to depress my audience, are you? <laughs> and I thought, well, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, we have bad enough news every day. We don't want Roger to depress us. <laughs> no, I it's a very uh it's a very enjoyable process with you thank you yes all right well take care i will so long okay bye-bye well you made it thanks for sticking around and listening to the podcast i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed the conversation that i had with roger smith remember check out his book the most unlikely leader you can pretty much find the book most everywhere books are sold. So until next time, make the best of everything and come back. See you later. Bye-bye.